All right, who's ready for an amazing message tonight? Eric Waterbury is gonna be sharing with us. And I'm gonna go ahead and just pray over him and you guys can agree with me in prayer. And um, earlier today, uh, this is the scripture that came upon my heart and I just wanna share it with you guys, um, hopefully to build that expectation and, uh, of what God's gonna do tonight in this message and through Eric. And so it is written, um, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So we can be expectant and know that God has definitely prepared um, a message and prepared Eric. And um, we're just going to go ahead and pray. So if you guys want to agree with me. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just um, bless Eric tonight, God, and honor him, Lord, for the, the tilling that he's done, God, for this such a time as this to share this message with us, God. And, and we just honor him and um, Lord, we just pray, God, that the heavens would open up over this service right now, Lord, and that, um, Lord, that you would just touch his, his lips, God, that he would be speaking your message of love and of hope, God, and of truth. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time, God, and we um, ask, Lord, for a special anointing, Lord, for you to do um, something new. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Tara. I'm excited about tonight. I, uh, I have a sermon entitled, No Shame in Your Game. And uh, I have actually uh, walked this one out, so I'm very confident in what I'm talking about. If you uh, were not, have not had a chance to listen to Eric Knopf's last sermon from Tahoe, that was an amazing sermon. Uh, it was hilarious to watch Eric kind of scramble because he's used to a very reading a whole sermon and he was having to pick pieces out of it. And if you watch, if you don't get our, our email, come up to one of us that you've seen up here. We'd love to send you our email because he, he kind of tells a story and there's a video of his sermon. But you see people walking up, picking up microphones, Liz. I'm praying intercession, you guys, that it will not rain. And I'm texting Liz get all of my microphones and get everything covered up uh, because I knew it wasn't going to start raining. I just knew that in my spirit. But anyway, um, go and listen to Eric's testimony because it's so powerful. Such a great uh, testimony. I have a bunch of little granddaughters and I love it when I tell them, you look beautiful. And they go, I know. <laughs> that was kind of how that was how Adam and Eve's relationship started. When you read in Genesis 2, 25, it says the man and his wife were both naked and they had no shame. And I was reading that, I was like, wow, that is such a powerful statement. But only a few short verses later, that changed because you know the story, the, the snake was very cunning and he said, did God really say, you shall not eat from any of the trees in the garden? And slowly he talked them out of what God had very specifically told them. Much like a lot of us. God's super clear. And we see, much like the woman, she said the tree was good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. 
and the tree was desirable for gaining wisdom. And I got to thinking about it. What did Adam and Eve need wisdom for? They didn't need it. Because they had perfect intimacy with God. And they put a soul pattern in place that we all have to walk backwards on as we start our walk with the Lord. Uh, Eric Knopf's sermon, one of the verses he used was 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And I just thought, what do you do when your life is supposed to be new, but it feels so old? Because I think that's true for a lot of us as believers. When I said what wisdom was needed, we are always looking for answers. We look at Facebook. We read all kinds of stories about other people's lives. We read self-help books. We have Amazon Prime because we don't want to pay to get our books delivered because we are buying so many. When God called to the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden, he said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He had man's wisdom. Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I had forbidden you to eat? And I thought, why did it matter? Why did it matter that they ate the apple? And I realized the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it brought divided thinking for the first time because they desired to be wiser than God. And that's why the Bible talks about having the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, when we have the mind of Christ, it is in contrast to the wisdom of man. Verses 5 and 6, when we have the mind of Christ, we have discernment in spiritual matters. Christy just talked about that in her testimony. Because God is always asking her to risk doing something stupid according to man's wisdom, to have instant obedience to him as a father. So I wanna, I'm going to walk you through a couple of verses, and then I want to talk to you about how to develop a mindset that can actually, you can truly look at yourself and say, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new because that's all of our desires. But I think so often we struggle with, feel, if, if I feel the way I do and I do the things I do, what's new about me? And so we hear that verse that Eric quoted and inside ourselves there's that thud at the back of our heart that goes, yeah, almost, almost everything is new or I wish that was true. 
So I want to read you in Hebrews 3, 12, 16 and 19. This is the Passion Bible. It says, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. God's been talking to me lately so much about being responsive. And he talks to me like today, I was getting ready. Uh, I fasted yesterday. A bunch of us fasted and prayed for our service today. And I was getting ready today. And I went to get, I went to get some Costco chips. You cannot beat Costco chips with Costco salsa. And when I went to get those, the Holy Spirit was like, uh-uh. And I'm like, you serious? You haven't said no to anything all day long. He's like, no, absolutely not. That sounds really dumb, but he knows how much pleasure I get from chips. I love chips. And he put a little boundary in place there for me. It's my honor, because he's my father, to honor what he put in place. We come out of the womb reaching for fig leaves. Much like Adam and Eve, it says, as soon, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. We come out of the womb reaching for fig leaves. As new believers, we have lots of unbelief, skepticism, and cynicism. We're used to thinking thoughts that are separate from God. And it never occurs to us to ask God about anything unless we get in a really, really big jam or we do something that you know Christians aren't supposed to do, so you're just begging God, if you'll just cover me this one time, I promise you I will not go partying again. Or I, okay, I know the word says I'm not supposed to date somebody who's a non-believer. If I just don't get pregnant this one time, because I never meant to go that far, right? We have no concept of what naked and unashamed is. And I've been learning that and the power in it. In verse 16, it says, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They've grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. The greatest majority of people in this room are uh, 20 years younger than me at least. And I think that that's actually a picture of the church today. Many of us, my age, delivered from bondage, brought out of Egypt, taking all kinds of notes in church, living powerless lives until they drop dead in the desert of boredom. And if you don't begin to cultivate some of the things I'm going to share with you, that, my friends, can be you. I love to listen to young people. They are so wise. <laughs> they look at people my age, and they, particularly when they talk about their parents, well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. And they have all kinds of wisdom for people my age. And I've lived long enough to watch some of those people become closer to my age. And the closer they get to my age, the closer they act like the people they used to criticize. 
I believe that that's actually changing in our city. There are a lot of people my age who are hungry for God. There are a lot of people in the city who are hungry to see God do something that we have not seen him do before on that big of a scale. And so I want to talk about, it says God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Let me read that again because that's so powerful. It wasn't about God. It was about their choices. It is clear they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. A heart wrapped in unbelief will never receive a son or daughter's inheritance. I have a bunch of spiritual sons and daughters, and I love them all. But honestly, some of them cannot stop bringing their past into our future, our today. And what I mean by that is they can't, they don't work through the things from the past that would set them free to allow me to father them today to build a destiny that creates an inheritance. I have an inheritance of, from the things that God has shown me. My greatest desire as a dad is to give it to them. But many of them came to me, all of my kids come to me in their early 20s typically, a few of them in their teen years. And by then they've had a bunch of experiences and they won't lay down their past to allow me to follow them today. Let me ask you, a heart wrapped in unbelief will never receive a son or daughter's inheritance. I have some questions for you. What is your heart wrapped in? Who told you that you were naked? And where did you get all those fig leaves? The reason I want to ask you to search your heart with me tonight is to invite you into the faith rest that God the Father promises you if you'll wrap your heart in belief in him. The faith rest life, according to Hebrews, now, God has offered us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting and confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, and he's talking about the Israelites, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. I'm getting ready to mess with you. Because if I don't stir the pot a little bit, and you don't get a few clues, you could never get unwrapped from unbelief. 
and your life can actually, I always watch, do you ever see people on Facebook? Well, not so much anymore, Insta, but do you see people that go, I'm bored, is somebody doing something? And I'm like, you are dumb. You are telling the whole world that you are dumb. <laughs> Too dumb to sit down and ask God what you're supposed to be doing because what I'm discovering, I've known this, but I'm finding it on a deeper level. God cares about your chips. He cares about everything about you, but he's looking, he's looking for a son or daughter who will be extremely careful to ensure that you embrace the fullness of his promise for you and not fail to experience it. That means you would have to come out of your dumb phone. You'd have to come off of Insta. You have to give Facebook a rest if you're still there. And you'd have to sit down and ask him, what do you have for me? What do you desire for me to know? Matthew 3:17 began with, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that, the Bible says that God has no favorites. So if Jesus is our brother, that means that God feels the same way about you. But you have to choose to unwrap your heart until that truth becomes reality for your life. And no fact presented as evidence against you has any power to create shame. I'm going to read that again. You have to choose to unwrap your heart until that truth the truth that you are a beloved son or daughter becomes reality for your life and no fact presented as evidenced against you has any power to create shame. We all have orphan strongholds in our mindsets that are made up of factual evidence. And the shame those lies, word curses and accusations create feel very, very real. In fact, we almost feel like a hypocrite when we begin to declare that we are beloved by God and perfect in his sight. Those of you who have the most integrity will have the greatest struggle to let go of your fig leaves because you're desperately certain they are necessary for acceptance. The reason I say those who have the most integrity is because for years, I counted every, I used to have a sex addiction. I counted every failure I had. I could go back 20 years in my daytimers and I had a way of marking it on the monthly calendar so you could tell in every, every day that I had a failure of any kind. It doesn't mean I was sexual with someone, but I just had a failure. And that got me nowhere. Much of what we call discipleship, the discipleship you seek has to move beyond a theological exchange of information. That's what I love about Eric Knopf. He's such a powerful teacher of the word, but it is not mere information. And you can tell it. That's why I encourage you, go back. I've been sending his sermons out to some of my friends who are my age, they're so powerful. 
We want to keep interaction on an intellectual, scriptural exchange because we are too afraid of being known. God's plan for salvation was sozo, wholeness, which leads to intimacy horizontally and vertically. So when people tell me, I have a great relationship with God, I just, I don't spend a lot of time with people, you don't have a great relationship with God. You suck. Because when you have a great relationship with God, he's your father, and you act like your dad. Let me tell you what I've been doing about that. I started cultivating the heart of a son or a daughter. So for me, it was a son. Um, about in 2008, I realized what a spiritual father was. I'd never been around that, but I started going to Bethel Church in Reading, and they talked about having a spiritual father. And I was like, wow, wonder what that's like. So I started cultivating that heart, and Bill Johnson became my spiritual father. I know. You're probably all wondering how I kept it so hidden. That's because Bill Johnson doesn't know my name. But I just decided, I love what you teach. I love what I see. I went, I saw him. I have a lot of discernment that God gave me. I didn't see anything that disappointed me. He wasn't perfect, but what a powerhouse. So I just decided, I'm going to listen to all your sermons. I'm going to read all your books. I'm going to develop the heart of a son. Because I would love to have a spiritual father, but I'm in my mid-50s. And while I have a bunch of spiritual kids, I don't have one, I don't see one on the horizon. About four or five years after that, I heard of this guy called Dr. Deltar. He's written six books, he speaks four languages, he's been the chancellor and the president of two universities, established one theological university, and he was on the mission field for 37 years, and I just thought, wow. That is amazing. It never occurred to me, because I didn't think that highly of myself, until I began to understand that he loves the Holy Spirit, and he prays for people to accept the Holy Spirit. So I thought, I'm just going to see if I can go to appointments with him. So I asked him if I could see him, and he said, yeah. And then I asked him if I could see him again, and he said, yeah. So I, I actually saw him every other week for about, I think, nine months or a year. And at the end of that, he said, I'm sorry, I can't see you that often. I'm like, okay, how often can you see me? He goes, uh, I can see you once a month. I'm like, okay, awesome. I could have gone like, what, am I not that important? Are you too busy? You're my spiritual father. All those desires that I, I didn't do that. I was just like, I'll take whatever you can give me. And in about another six months, he said, my workload has lightened and I can see you again. I just kept talking to him. I risked talking to him about things I was uncomfortable about. Uncomfortable about. Uh, I shared things that maybe you wouldn't share with someone you wanted to respect you. But the more that I shared with him, Demar realized this is a great guy. And finally, I said, you know, I just want to define our relationship. I see you as a spiritual father. 
and you can say anything to me you want to say. He was a little taken aback. And I said, you don't have to respond to me from that place. I'm just telling you how I look at you and what I'm available for. Today, I see him every week, every Thursday. It's one of the highlights of my week. I never realized how much having a dad who will back you up, call you son, be unashamed of your past, look forward to your destiny, and tell you how to get there, tell me things I need to hear. He has the shut up and sit down card in my life. Uh, and there's a deck of those. He's not the only one. You know, where you're having this great explanation and you'd love for someone to understand why you did the stupid things you did because they totally make sense. And he's like, uh, let me lay that card down. Sit down and shut up. And through listening to him and just, I'm told that if I go past here, I'm going to create a problem. So Liz, tell me if I do. <laughs> through talking to him, is that all right? Through talking to him and him talking to me, I began to find out what a dad was like. And about a year, um, my sex addiction, I was molested as a kid. And it's no secret in our ministry, but I know we have new people here tonight. And so uh, my particular sex addiction was same-sex acting out. I would date some, I dated some amazing women, but the longer that I conducted myself like that, I felt like I'm not, a good woman should have a better choice than me. So I dated women less, still acted out, and then there came a time where that became not so powerful in my life. And one day my dad, after a year, he said, you know, I have a lot of experience with people who are dealing with same-sex issues. I'm like, you do? And by then, we were past the Dr. Tar. I would call him Dad Tar. And I said, you do? Why didn't you ever say anything before? He goes, it just didn't seem like it was time. And I said, that's awesome. And then he began to share with me what he had learned. But he also said, I want you to still go to your counselor. The reason I share that with you is because I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. But if you don't have some way of starting to establish a father relationship with God that has a horizontal application, you're never going to be able to connect and step into the kingdom and find where you want to go. You're going to be an orphan forever. Will you be a son? Yes, but you'll act like an orphan. I have sons and daughters who act like orphans. And for the life of me, I'm like, you've been with me so long, and you still act this way. And I still love them. But I don't think a lot about the choices that they're currently making or where they're going because it doesn't matter what I say. They're going to do whatever they want to do. However, I never leave um, because there's a payoff. A lot of times if you just keep acting like God, people will start responding to you like him. Jared Stedman is here in the crowd tonight, and I didn't ask him if I could tell his testimony, but hey, he's already done a video, so. <laughs> he was probably my son for seven years. During that time, he uh, was a major abuser of alcohol and cocaine. Uh, 
Um, he was a major party hog. I met so many of his girlfriends. I'd be like, Jared, don't you ever get bored? He'd go, what do you think of her? She's a very nice lady. She looks just like the last one and sounds just like the last one. But there came a day where he called me and said, I'm, I don't want to do community service because it was his third DUI. I don't want to do community service. I'm just going to go to jail. He goes, are you going to visit me? I go, don't I always? Why am I telling you this story? Because a bunch of you in this place, your transgressions, the things that you deal with may not be that open and they may not be a legal record. But you will never be free until you bring whatever's eating you alive into the open. I got to go back up because I didn't get my point. Can you guys see me at the back if I stand down here? Be unashamed of your testimony. I just skipped one, Liz. Chad, uh, Chad, Christy's brother, is one of my dearest friends. We've gone to lunch every week for 15 years. We lived together for three years before that. He was my roommate. And he said, when I really started coming back to the Lord, he said, I want you to give your testimony. I'm like, I will. I want to get all cleaned up. He goes, that's not a testimony. That's history. I want to encourage you, give your testimony. We have no authority as believers because we refuse to give a testimony that shows God doing anything substantial in our lives. And the older we get, the more we desire to look like our Instagram life is more perfect than anyone's. So we keep silent with fig leaves growing everywhere. I was kind of embarrassed because at the Tahoe, I was watching Eric's sermon and it was such an awesome sermon. It was just really motivating. There was so much anointing. And at the end, it was really intense because I was doing some major intercession. One of the intercessors said, you're the one who has the power to make the rain stay in the clouds. Pray it up. So I was doing that. And at the end, I went up to take the microphone. I never know what I'm going to say when I get the microphone. And I was horrified later when I saw Eric had such a smooth, such a polished, you know, presentation and I got up and I said there's a move of God that's coming to this region something like this and I want to speak to all of you blue hairs in the con in the congregation all of you who have gray up here I have none but I'm 62 if you don't find a current testimony in your life there will be no one to mother and father with any authority, the young adults that are going to come into the kingdom. And then I just, you know, kind of just kept cracking the whip. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in Incline Village where it's kind of an exclusive group. <laughs> They're probably not used to anyone telling them anything that they don't want to hear. And Eric Waterbury winds the sermon up. And then I just had to go, you know, Lord, that's the power of Eric Knopf and I together. That's so I just want to encourage you. I got a little bit 
into my, uh, I enjoyed so much watching God work last weekend. Um, but back to being unashamed of your testimony, whatever God's doing in your life, talk about it. And if you have a community or you go to a church where you can't tell the truth, stop going there and go somewhere where you can. For reals, because there's a lot of awesome churches in this city where you can just straight up tell what's up. Because what you refuse to touch and bring to the surface, God cannot set you free. I want to encourage you to get to know your soul. The good, the bad, and the, and the ugly. We don't talk about the soul at church. Because we talk about spiritual things. Everybody wants to get prayer. And I want to get prayer, but I want to have the authority to pray my own prayers. So do you. Because we want to do some things in the kingdom that are going to require a level of authority that the church is not known for in America. People always go, I wonder why miracles happen in third world countries, because they're so ignorant there. Yeah, they're so ignorant, they don't have man's wisdom. So they're not trying to figure everything out and run to a therapist for everything, because they got no money. They're, they're concerned about eating. So God, where is my food? I have an incurable disease. God, heal me. And God heals so many people in third world countries all around the world in missions. We're starting to actually see that happen in the United States. That's why I want to encourage you to get to know your soul. Examine your fig leaves. Who handed you that one? What lie are you in agreement with about your insignificance, about your looks? You're too fat, you're too short, you're too tall. If only your hair were blonde, because men always look at blondes more than anyone else. If only you had the speaking ability. You're 40 years old, and you can't find your wife. Wow. Something must really be wrong with you. Those are lives. And I just want to encourage you to begin to look back in your life. It's not giving your past power. It takes the power out of your past when you look back and ask, does what happened to me back there and how I identify myself now match God's word? Why can I stand in front of you and talk about a testimony and a past that's not heard about in the church for the most part? Because I have been settling some of these things, and I say have been. My testimony is not 20 years old. God brought me some, I've been searching for a long time. Why did I just find a dad at 60? I don't know. I'm just happy I have him. He has made all the difference in the world. I found a book. It's so powerful. I talked about it last time. It's called Shame and Attachment Loss. It literally, the more I read it, the more powerfully I feel just able to make whatever choices I want to make for my life, regardless of what you, the government, uh, counselors, or some church folk have to say.
I want to encourage you to find out what's your love language. What number are you on the Enneagram? What are the four, your four letters on Myers-Briggs? What's your five greatest strengths? Where do you fit in the fivefold? Take our test on our website. Get to the bottom of the facts that make you so desperate to hang on to your fig leaves. Why can you not connect with men? What did your father do to you? It's not always sexual. It can just be being treated so disrespectfully. Why does your marriage not work? Because you don't know how to communicate. Why are you so afraid to answer the questions that people ask you? When I talk about my testimony, why are you sickened by it? Don't you know that your own testimony is just as desp despicable in God's sight? I don't think I've ever said that in church before. Because <laughs> when you begin to ask God questions about why is this happening in my life? Why can't I get free from drugs? Why am I homeless? He'll give you answers. And when he starts doing that, you'll get set free. Because man's wisdom, which is what we always go after, does not match God, the mind of Christ. And I think the, the last one, I, I want to encourage you to set your heart to learn to hear the voice of God for yourself. People don't have to pray for you all the time. I pray over myself first. And if I can't get free by myself, I'm not ashamed. I call somebody else. But I've learned that I have authority as a son that has nothing to do with anyone else's definition of me. It has everything to do with how I see myself. And so therefore, how I step into the throne room when I enter. The last thing is to cherish truth. The deepest truth will be found in the mind of Christ, not man's wisdom. When you cherish truth, you ask yourself the hard questions. Even when you ask, someone asks you something and you feel defensive, when you cherish truth, you still go after it. When you begin to know the truth of the beauty of who you are and how God created you, you don't mind if somebody, you're not their cup of tea. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But I am my daddy's cup of tea. And I learned that with my horizontal dad. And before he showed up, I actually learned a bunch of it from my other spiritual father, Bill Johnson. So I guess I would encourage you, cultivate the heart of a son or daughter. Set your heart to learn to hear the voice of God for yourself. Be unashamed of your testimony, whatever it is. Get to know your soul. You're more beautiful than you think. And cherish truth. And that's what I have for you tonight. <laughs>